0: Share with you, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 1. And I want to share with you tonight, uh, this isn't, um, you know, this is just a practical uh, kind of a heart message, if you will. But I want to talk to you about relating to God's Word. And, uh, you know, how we relate to things matter. How many of you realize this. Because how you relate to it affects the behavior of which you deal with it. Let me give you an example. How you relate to money determines how you spend it. Or if you spend it, if you relate to money in the sense that hey, money represents security. Guess what? You ain't gonna spend it. Why? Because having money means that there's some security. But if for you, how you relate to money is hey, money is fun, and it lets me do fun stuff. You probably don't save very much of it, and you probably spend way too much of it. Saying this is what money's for. It's money is meant to be spent. You know, and how you relate to that, how you relate to people, determines how you treat them. If you relate to people properly, you know, whether it be a spouse or a child or however it may be, or a neighbor, or maybe a family member, or how you relate to them. In other words, how you approach them in your heart. I don't mean just like in the natural, but how I relate to Dara as my wife determines how I treat her. How I relate to Max. Is he, a, is he my son or is he just my servant? Because I can treat him like a servant. He wouldn't be much of a good one right now, but there will come a day where I could just say, hey, he's just here to facilitate what I need done. Mow the grass, clean up the house, do this, do that. But yet, as a father, that's really not relating to him properly at all, not according to Scripture. So how I relate to him really matters. You know, and that happens in every relationship. And even when we are talking about our relationship to the Word, how we relate to it, matters greatly with its impact in our life. Because there's a lot of people who can quote Scripture, that read the Bible, that can, I mean, they can profess it all day long, but it makes no difference really in their day-to-day life. And they can, you know, say all the right things, and they can name it, and they can claim it, and they can pray, and they can do all those things. And yet you wonder sometimes, like, well, why doesn't it seem to have more effect in their life? It's because the way that we relate to the word really does matter on its influence in our life. And how we approach that word. And even uh, really the significance that we give it in our life and in our heart. And here's the thing is that the word of God has to relate to our hearts. It's this, the word Jesus did not and God did not give us the word so that it could just be head knowledge. It has to be heart because the heart the Bible says it's with our heart that we believe that confession is made through our mouth, but belief true belief happens in the heart, and true change happens in the heart. you know I, I have a sister who's a, a nurse, and you know and you can tell sometimes and I've heard stories from lots of people you know that are in the medical field that you get around these nice, sweet church folk, but when they get later in life and maybe they're dealing with things in the hospital, all of a sudden they're nice sweet church ladies kind of fly out the window. Yeah. You know, the Bible talks about iniquity. You know, kind of those sins that get passed down from generation. And yet you can mask those things if you choose to. Yeah. But The problem is when you get out of maybe circumstances or situations, all of a sudden you default back to those iniquities. Well, why is iniquity allowed to stay? Because we've never allowed the Word to actually change us at a deep level. We've just kept it at an intellectual, mental level, but it's not really gone deep into our hearts. And yet, when we allow the Word of God to penetrate into our heart, it will produce change in us. Ultimately, for God to produce what He wants to do in our life. And the Bible says that He wants to do of His good pleasure you know, so I want to share some things with you tonight along this line. And even in, in specifically in how we do relate to the Word of God. Because I believe sometimes, if it, and it's whether it be through time or whatever the case may be, and it happens to all of us, it can, is that the, the Bible can become nothing more than a checklist. Yeah. Well, I've been good. I haven't been ugly. I've been nice. I don't steal. I don't curse. I don't do this. I don't do that. And we stop actually relating to it as the change agent that God wants it to be in our life. It just becomes, well, am I performing? It's like a report card. No, I'm good. Go down and check my list as opposed to really allowing the word to work in our heart and to work in our lives. But how we relate to that word really determines the effect at which it can actually affect us and move in our life. And so here in John chapter 1... Very familiar passages of scripture, but starting in verse one, it says, In the beginning, the word already existed. Said the word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So the word is not just words on a page. The word is a person. It says he existed in the beginning with God. Says God created everything through him and uh, nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. Now, obviously, this is speaking of Jesus here. I mean, and and it'll go on, and we'll see this here in just a few moments, where it actually says that Jesus was the Word made flesh. What, I mean, you could say it like this is that Jesus was the perfect example of what someone who was completely led and full of the Word of God would look like. Jesus is the ultimate example. Now, he was that, he is the Word made flesh to us. But it says here that the Word, so you can say it's the Word of God will give life to everything that gives it place. If we struggle in an area, really, and and look, and I understand, you know, and I know many of you understand this, but there's the work of the Holy Spirit, but there has to be something. It's like faith. Faith is the substance. The Holy Spirit has to have some substance to work with. Well, what is that substance in our life? It's the Word of God. It's not just totally up to the Holy Spirit. How can the Holy Spirit bring back to remembrance the Word that we've not sown into our heart? Well, he can't. he can't. You know, you're like, well, He's the Holy Spirit. He can say anything. No, we have to sow the seed of the Word of God into our life. Why? Because now the Holy Spirit has a substance to actually work with. And here it says is that the Word will bring life. And it says in that his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now think about that. All of hell can't extinguish the light of the word of God in your life. The devil, if he could, would steal the word from you. If he could keep it from you, he would. But he can't can't just come in and take it. Now, we can allow him to rob us of it. But He can't keep it from us. And He can't keep its impact from us when we're mindful and when we're approaching uh, God's Word properly. Verse 14 of John chapter 1. It says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. Now this is an important uh, phrase, if you will. But it says that He, being Jesus, was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Now other translations say it this way. Is that Jesus was full of two things. Grace And truth, Jesus himself, and you could say it this way, is that the word of God is full of God's grace to us and God's truth. We don't have to sacrifice one for the other. They're equal. But this is what we, and this is really the, if I was going to say, look, this is the one thing I want you to hear tonight. This is it, is that God's grace in your life is directly tied to God's word in your life. God's grace in your life is tied to God's word in your heart. Now, when we can have discussions and conversations about, well, what is grace? Well, it's the unmerited favor of God. That's a pretty popular definition. How many of you have ever heard that one? If you really, though, like, what is the grace of God? Is it just that, hey, by God's grace that I'm saved? In other words, I don't deserve it, but God loved me and saved me. Is that God's grace? Yes. But you know, there's also a power behind grace as well. There's an ability behind grace. There's an ability behind the Word of God to work in us and for us, for God's purpose and for God's desire. Now, this word here, you know, let me me back up just a little bit. Let me say this, is that God's uh, Word brings His grace... That we access by faith. God's word brings his grace. Let me give you an example. How can someone be saved unless someone tell them the gospel? I mean the Bible says that hey, nobody can hear unless somebody goes. So God's grace can't even be accepted until somebody talks about it. Well that's true in every area of your life. Every promise of God is predicated upon that fact that you know what the promise is. We can walk in ignorance. Whether it be because no one's ever told us, because we've never allowed the Holy Spirit to work in our life, or because we just don't want to accept the truth of God's Word. I mean, the Bible says, my people are destroyed for a lack of understanding. And really, that means a full comprehension of what God wants to do. God's grace is there to produce His his desired results in our life. God's words are not just words on a page. They are life. They are powerful. They will bring about an ability in our life when we relate to them properly. That is, you know, God's word is not His suggestion book to us. How many of you realize that? God's not suggesting anything, He's saying, This is life. This is where you're going to find life. This is where you're going to find freedom. Yeah. This is where you're going to find all that I have for you yeah. and have made ready for you to live and to walk in. But many times we don't in areas. Because we're not relating to God's Word right. And, and I say all that because of this. is that And this is how I want to uh, kind of define uh, grace for you tonight is this is that grace is God's ability in us to accomplish His purpose. It's God's ability in us to accomplish His purpose. See, if we're not careful, even as believers, and it doesn't matter how long we've lived, we've lived for God, we are prone to rely upon ourself. That I'm going to be right with God. And I'm going to do right. And I'm going to fix my problems. And I'm going to be a better version of myself. And and we have this, just this default to self. That I'm going to pray harder. I'm going to be more disciplined in my walk with the Lord. And it becomes a work of the flesh as opposed to something of a life that is reliant upon God to move by His grace in our life. I don't want to try to be better, stronger no. in myself. I want to have God and I want to cooperate with Him. Why? Because it's a whole lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. Because just rote religion, even though we can be quoting the same verses and, and doing the life will be sucked right out of it. And it'll just become a form of godliness, but yet denying the very power that could what? Make you, godly. You, have the, you look right, you sound right, but yet you're refusing the very power that would produce the very thing that you say you want. And here the Bible says, is that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Well, the word of God to us is full of God's grace for us. So if you need more of God's grace in your life working, you need more of God's Word in your life working. Say it again because it's good. It's worth repeating. If you need more of God's grace in any area of your life, you need to find out God's Word in that area of your life. Why? Because there's a grace, there's an empowerment that comes from God's Word. God's Word is alive. It is powerful. It is working when we approach it properly, when we relate to God's Word. I mean, there's two ways that we can approach the Word of God. One of them is, I'm going to read it. and A lot of people do that. I got my daily devotional in, check. There's something else when that Word begins to read you. When I'm no longer just trying to, you know, when my, let, me, let me give you a practical example. Like when you approach the Word of God, how do you approach it? Let's just get this out of the way so I can get on with my day. Because if that's how you're relating to the Word of God, you're not really giving it place to even speak. You're just trying to run through it. I mean, there was a time in my life where I had to start praying before I ever read the Bible just to make me focus and realize, okay, I'm, pro- I'm approaching God's Word. God, I ask you, Holy Spirit, I open up my, my ears, my spiritual ears. I open up my heart to you, Holy Spirit. And I ask you to show me revelation from the Word of God that I need today so that I can change, so that I can be all that you want me to be. Now, that process never ends. Because God can always upgrade us. Amen. You know, I mean, it's like a cell phone. A lot of people, they're like, I can't wait to I get my new upgrade. Can't wait to get my... And they're more excited about their next cell phone upgrade than they are about the Lord upgrading something in their life. Upgrading something in their heart. You know, I mean, I, the number of years ago, I remember, the, I don't know what it was, some new phone was coming out and I got up in the middle of the night to order one. Like three or four o'clock in the morning. I ordered one for me, my mom, my dad, because I was the only one crazy enough to get up in the middle of the night and order and make sure we all got them. Well, I, was, I had an expectation that day when I got up. I was not going to miss out. Well, how do I approach the Word, though? I don't want to just look at the Word and be like, well, I know that. See, that's when we're in trouble. That's when I believe as believers that we can be the most in trouble. And when it's no longer fresh, it's like, oh, well, I've heard this before. That's a dangerous place to be. Because now we're not even really just letting the word fall into our heart and be sown. Now we're that stony ground that just says, I don't have need of it. So now the word has zero effect in our life. Why? Because not that we're intentionally this way, but we become resistant to it. Well, you know, I've heard you share about this before. You know, I've heard somebody else or I've heard somebody better than you talk about this. Now, I'm not saying that you think that about me, but I've had that thought before. I've heard somebody who could really preach this, preach this. And so I totally will zone out and just like, no, I got nothing to learn from you. Now, there's a lot of people who approach God's word that way. There's lots of people who do. And yet that's dangerous. Why? Because now we've removed all power. We have made God's Word of absolutely no effect in our life. And yet when the Word is sown, God intends for grace, God's ability, God's empowerment in our life to come so that we can walk in the truth. I would actually argue that you can't walk in the truth of Scripture without the grace of God. And that's why Jesus had to be full of both. It wasn't one or the other. In verse 16, I love this. It says, from His abundance, from Christ's abundance, we have received one gracious blessing after another. From Christ's abundance, from His more than enough stash, we have received blessing on top of blessing, on top of blessing, on top of blessing. I don't believe that God ever stops stacking blessings. I believe if we'll relate to the word right, those blessings just keep on coming. Why? Because God is limitless. There's no way that I can fully tap into a subject that the Bible approaches that I've figured it all out. Why? Because the Lord is infinite in wisdom and understanding. And all He'll do is just open up another degree or another facet or another uh, another level of understanding that I've never tapped into yet. That's the way the revelation of God works. It is progressive. I may understand one thing about how God works in healing today, but that doesn't mean that I can't grow in my understanding and even in the grace of God in my life concerning healing that I could walk in another greater dimension of healing in my life. You can apply this to any area. I mean, you know, the peace of God. That that word means complete, wholeness, soundness. I never want to get to the place where I'm like, well, this is as good as it ever gets. I hope I always am able to say, man, this is even better than what I remembered. Like, I just keep growing in this area of my life. And I just think, man, this is amazing. And God just keeps going a step further. And this is more amazing. Why? Because the grace of God is just continually. It's multifaceted working in our hearts and in our lives. The Strong's uh, Concordance adds this here when it talks about grace. When it says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. It says that it's the the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in one's life. It's the divine influence. God's grace is His divine influence in our life and the proof that it shows in our life. That God's grace comes in to work in us, to work in our hearts. So that we can grow, so that we can mature, so that we can develop... More and more and more in the image of Christ. This is God's desire. So we ought to never approach God's Word like a a list of rules. That's why Romans 8 talks about, look, there's there's there now for no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We should never approach the Word and walk away discouraged. Never. Now, do we miss the mark? Sure. Sure. The Word of God points to that and says, hey, I know you've missed it. But when I rightfully uh, relate to God's Word, it now empowers me to recognize that, hey, I've slipped in this area. But it also should energize me and say, but I know I can overcome it. God's Word will never leave me in that place of despair to say, I can't do anything about this. I guess I'm just out of luck now. No, God's grace comes with his word, with his truth, so that it will equip and empower us to rise to a new level. That's the way God desires for us to work with his word. So the enemy comes anytime that we see something in scripture and it discourages us. That's the work of the enemy. God speaks to the best in you to pull out the best in you. God believes in you and what He's put in you more than we believe in what He has put in us. Why? Because He sees the fullness of what He has put in us. He has put His Spirit. He's put His Word. But yet we have to be willing to relate and and see through the eye of the Spirit the way that God wants us to relate to His Word. Why? Because it's His desire at work in us. I'm not defaulting to just my own discipline. Or my own effort because it's never enough anyways. As much as I can try and desire and want to, I can't have enough want to. We'll look at something here in a few minutes. But the Bible actually says that God will give you the desire and the will. You ever desired something but just didn't have the will to do it? You know, maybe like exercise. (laughs) I mean, I have the desire and the will to eat desserts. I don't have the same desire and will to say, I want to go to the gym. I've never said that. And yet, the, and yet what does the Bible tell us? God will give us not only the, the, the desire, but even the will, the want to. To do what? To do of his good pleasure. What is that? That's the grace of God at work in our lives. And yet, it's all about how we approach God's Word, because we can treat God's Word casually. People did it with Jesus Himself, Well, we can do it with the Word of God. Well, we're just going to go hear another sermon. We're gonna, I'm just going to read my Bible today. It's just not a big deal. Why? Because we're just not paying attention. We're not really giving it proper respect and proper place in our life. So it really hinders the effect of what God's Word can do in our life. James chapter 1. Read a couple of verses here. I love these verses. But he says here in verse 19 He says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. He says human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God wants. He goes on in verse 21. He says, So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives. And humbly or meekly accept God's word. For the sake of conversation tonight, let me say it like this. So humbly relate to God's word. Realize, man, I I need what God's word has to say in my life. So humbly accept God's word planted in your hearts. Not in your head. Head knowledge is not going to produce what God wants in your life. Just because I can, out of memory, say all the right things, quote all the right scriptures, pray the right prayer, doesn't mean it's going to actually change me. It's when the Word is received into our hearts, and it says, "...for it, being the Word, has the power to save our souls." It, being the Word, has the power to change our hearts, to change our thoughts, to change even issues in our life. God's Word is like an expert surgeon that will come in and can remove what the devil would love to leave to rob from us. And yet God's Word can come in and do miraculous work in our hearts. He goes on in verse 22 and he says, Don't just listen to God's word. You must actually do what it says. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. You've got, you've got to apply the word of God to your life. In other words, you've got to allow God's word to read you a little bit. Or you're just fooling yourself. You're not actually relating to it properly. Therefore, You're only fooling yourself. Verse 23 says, If you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and you walk away and forget what you look like. You know, when we look at Scripture, we ought to go and read about Jesus and read about the early church and say, that should be us. What they're doing, we can do. There's nothing that we can read in Scripture that the Bible says that we as the church of Jesus cannot do today. So when we read about the early church and uh, you know I mean and there's some amazing things that happen that ought to stir faith in us. That, man, God, we want to we want to see that. Yeah. We're still the same church. We're part of the same body that they were, and we want to have everything that we see in Scripture. But we can't pull back from it. And and but when we see those things in Scripture, it ought to motivate us. Not man, that would be cool. To, that would have been neat to have been there. No, I want to see what the Bible says that we can see I mean, I want to see where blind eyes open and deaf ears are 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 open and we see lame people walking i mean that 's what the Bible talks about. but well, we can get discouraged and be like, Well, that could never happen here. You got to go to so and so for that to happen I mean, is there a different gospel for Africa than there is for America? I mean, we hear of miracles, of course, you know. The other side of Africa is you get lots of demonic presence too, so. I'll say it this way. There's obvious demonic presence there. We have it here too. We're no different. The devil's just a little bit more subtle here. But he's still doing his best. No, but when we see the Word of God, it ought not discourage us. When we, you know, I mean, you may be dealing with symptoms in your body and you read the Bible about somebody getting healed. The enemy would, would, might, would come and whisper, God wouldn't do that for you. And yet, how do you relate to God's Word? Is God's Word true? Is that same grace that was true for them, is that same grace true for you? Will that same grace not still work for you the way that it did for people that we read of in Scripture? No, I mean, it's got to be faith. God's Word brings His grace that we access by faith in His Word. If we need more grace, we've got to connect to God's Word. We've got to relate to His Word differently. Verse 25 says, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, God will bless you. A lot of people want to stop there. For doing it. There are blessings that come with obedience. Let me say it this. Way. There's blessings that come with follow through. I mean, if I asked, you know, I don't know. Let's just say I asked Miss Margaret to do something for me. And she's like, yes, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. No problem. I'll be happy when she's done it. Not just when she said she would do it. Praise the Lord. I mean, she would do anything I ask her to, I know that. But the follow-through is where it's like, praise the Lord. If we look into the perfect law of liberty, if we look at the Word of God, which is Christ to us, Christ for us, the hope of glory for us, He's the perfect law of liberty and it sets us free. God will bless us for what? For walking out the Word in our lives. But we have to approach it understanding that God's word comes for change. It comes to transform our hearts, to transform our minds, to transform our lives so that we can walk in everything that God has for us. The apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. He says, "Therefore we never stop thanking God uh, That when you received His message from us. He says, you didn't think of it as our own words or human ideas. You accepted what was said as the very Word of God. Which, of course, it is. And and here's the important part. Because what happened? They heard the Word, they received the Word. Right? Right now, you're receiving the Word of God. You're listening to me declaring the Word of God to you. You're hearing it. And it will produce in your life. And yet, Paul makes the statement. He says that you accepted it not as the words of just another human being, but actually God speaking directly to your heart. And this is so cool. The last part of verse 13, he says, And this word continues to work in you who believe. You can hear somebody speaking about the word of God one time. And you can feed on that for a long time. God's Word will continue to feed and continue to stir and continue to speak and continue to change. Why? Because it doesn't stop working. God's Word doesn't just stop in the moment that it's sown. Think of it like a fruit tree. If if the conditions are right, the fruit tree doesn't grow and you get one harvest and it's over. If you get peaches this year off of a peach tree, guess what? Next year, unless you do something crazy or unless we go into a crazy drought... You're going to get peaches again next year. You're not going to roll the dice and be like, well, let's just see if we get peaches next year. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. It's a peach tree. (laughs) It produces peaches. That's what it does. God's Word is like a tree that will continually over and over and over produce fruit. Why? Because exactly what he says here. This Word continues to work. Continues to bring life, continues to bring freedom, continues to bring health and healing and blessing. It continues over and over and over again. The Amplified Bible says it this way. He says that you receive the Word of God as it truly is. He says which is effectually at work in you who believe. It doesn't say that it's effectually at work in those who heard. Faith has to be mixed with the word. Hebrews tells us that. He says, you know, gives the instruction and gives us the wisdom. It says, look, the word profited them nothing because it wasn't mixed with faith. So our faith, our belief in the word really has. And that's how we relate to the word. It's by faith. My circumstances don't determine the word of God in my life or its effectiveness in my life. My God that I serve, that I believe by faith, regardless of my circumstances, determines how I relate to God's Word. So he says that God's Word is effectually at work in those who believe, exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to, trust in, and rely on it. God's Word is constantly working. It's exercising supernatural ability on the inside of us. And that Word will work, and that Word will work, and that Word will work, and that Word will work. work, Over and over and over. And every time that Word works, I ought to change a little bit more. And I ought to grow a little bit more. And I ought to be more like Christ than I was the time before. And it's a process that can happen over and over and over again. And every time I'm being molded by the Word of God. Now I'm getting somewhere tonight. Just stick with me. The updated version of the Amplified Bible says it this way: Is that the Word of God is effectually at work in, uh, in in you who believe, exercising its inherent and supernatural power in those of faith. Inherit and supernatural power in, in what? In those who believe God's Word. I don't want to back off of the promises of God, but I do want to have them to have maximum impact and I don't want to thwart them in any way in its ability to work in my life. Amen. Well, one of the major things is, is this, is that it's exactly what it says, is that it's not me trying to produce what God wants in my life. I have to submit myself to the Word so that it, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by God's grace in my life, it will produce the desired result that God had in mind all along. I mean, the Bible is very clear and it says, look, God's Word will not return void. It will not return to Him not accomplishing the very thing that He sent it to do. Well, and, and I've shared this before. Is that that word is returned to God. Yeah. It didn't say that when God sent it that it would accomplish. It says, when, well, what is that? That's when we take the word, we mix it with faith, and we say, God, I trust in your word. Amen. That's when the power becomes available in our life. I mean, salvation is only, is only uh, real in the heart of a human being when what? When they believe it and confess. Then is salvation made ready for them. I mean, if the other were true, everybody would just be saved by default. God wants it, therefore it is. And yet that's not, we know that to not be true. There has to be an interaction. There has to be a relation with what the gospel says about who Christ is and what he wants to be in us and for us that we could walk in. And so how we approach God's word, exactly as it says here. If we want it to work right, we have to approach it right. And we can't become uh, timid or to pull back from it either. Let me read you another verse out of Philippians chapter 2. We'll just start in verse 14. Brooke, you don't have these by the way. Sorry. Sorry. They won't be on the screen, but Philippians chapter 2 verse 14. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Can we just leave now and just all tell Jesus we're sorry? (laughs) Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize. He says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining uh, like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Verse 16 says, hold firmly to the word of life on the day of, of uh, christ 's return it says, "I will be proud if I, or it says, uh, "I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain that my, and that my work was not useless i mean he 's given us an understanding here of saying, "Look, run a race, live clean. Well, how are you going to do that without the power of God? I mean, even a further level, how do you even know you 're not living clean unless the word shows you? It requires, and so, the Word shows you, well, now you need the power to actually do that. I mean, the Bible gives us instructions many times. And he says, look, you have to what, walk out. Now, there are other translations that say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's not really the best way to translate that. Because it makes it sound like you're doing it. Work it out. Figure it out. Take what the Bible says. Go and do it. A a better understanding of that verse is to make sure that you're applying salvation to every part of your life. Make sure that you're allowing it to penetrate into every part of who you are. Because in that, that's where God produces the desire and the will to bring about His good pleasure in our life. It's when we approach God's word properly. That's when we can see, and exactly what it says here, is that we've got to hold firmly to the word of life. That word that God said, look, that I am life. The word of God would bring life into us and for us. This is what God's promise was. Now, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, he makes a statement. and I'm just going to kind of pick it right out of the middle. I'm taking it somewhat out of uh, out of its setting, but yet it, you'll understand why. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, it, Paul makes this statement. He's talking about the apostles who came before him and kind of his role and all of these things. And, and he, but he makes a statement in verse 10. He says, Whatever I am now, it is all because... God poured out His special favor on me. Well, what is God's special favor? That's His grace. So even the Apostle Paul says, whatever I am now, because everybody knew what He was, and they knew He wasn't that anymore, but He says, whatever I am now is because God poured His grace on me. And it adds, and it says, and not without results. God didn't pour His grace out on us for no purpose or for there not to be a a change in our heart and a change in our life. And that change was not just one time when I said, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. My life now is to be a continual change into the image of Christ. Why? Because I want God's God's grace to work just as much in my life today as it did 20 years ago when I first surrendered to God. I don't want to have less of the Holy Spirit working in my heart today than I did back then. I want to have more. And I want to see God work. And I want to see God do more in my life. I never want to be satisfied with, well, I'm good. No, God, I want you to to have more honor and more glory through my life. Now, Paul goes on and he makes the statement. He says, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Like, well, wait a second, Paul, you're you're kind of double speaking here. Because you just said, whatever I am now, it's because of God's grace in my life. Not without results, but hey, I worked harder than everybody. Well, Paul, which one is it? Was it you or was it the Lord? There's a cooperation for sure, but, but he goes on and he says, Yet it was not I, but it was God who was working in me. Are working through me by His grace. Yeah. What is God's grace? His ability coming alive on the inside of us that equips us and empowers us to become who we're supposed to be. Yeah. But yet how we approach God's word. Well that's His grace to us. Yeah. Man I'm thankful man I'm saved I'm going to heaven praise the Lord. But I want to experience more heaven on earth. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to experience heaven. I believe that we can experience even as the Bible says, even if it's just a foretaste. I like to say it like this: When I get to heaven, I don't want to be like I don't want it to be unfamiliar. I want to step in the pearly gates and be like, I recognize this. It's better, but I don't want it to be unfamiliar. I want to be well acquainted with the presence of God. And I want to be ready when I stand before him. He says, David, look, you allowed me to work in your life. And you allowed my grace to empower you to be something that you never could have been on your own. Is there a better compliment than that? No, I, I want the power of God working in my life. Let me back up here. Philippians, I I quoted this verse a second ago. Let me back up. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. He says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling is what other translations say. It says, Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now that's not fear is in afraid, it's fear is respect, honor, giving it proper place. In other words, relate to God's word properly. Here it says, and this is a New Living Translation, but it says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. How do I do the will of God in my life? by god 's grace, I can't do it any other way. you can 't do it any other way. You have to do it by god 's grace. Yeah. that's that equipping that Now let me read you this out of the amplified Bible, the second part of verse 12. So he tells us to continue to work out our own salvation, he says to cultivate it and to bring it into full effect. I mean, are you satisfied with fifty percent salvation right now? Seventy-five percent salvation. Look, we'll never get to a hundred percent until we're with the Lord. But I don't want to live at ten percent. If I started out at ten, I hope I'm further along than that today. And if I'm at fifty percent today, I want to be further. So he says, to bring to the full effect your salvation. Actively pursue spiritual maturity. He says, with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution. In other words, examine your heart. Examine your approach. And critical self-evaluation. Now see, even this word... I, I we, we have to be careful because we don't want to be critical of who we are or what we do or what we don't do. But we also don't want to be foolish and ignorant and not be honest with ourselves. And really just kind of saying, this is where I'm really at. When people call me and they say, hey, will you pray with me about this? I say, okay, what are you believing for? And then there's times, which is, this is somewhat rare, but it does happen, that I will say, what are you, are you really believing for that? Because I know that's what the Bible promises, but do you really have a firm hold that God will do that for you? Or are you just parroting that and just saying what you've heard other people say? You've got to be honest in your estimation of even where you're at. Now, not in the sense of getting under condemnation, but... If you're believing for God to work, you've got to be honest and know where you're at in your faith. You know, I mean, just give you a practical example. Don't tell me you're believing God for a new car when you've never believed God to pay for your groceries. <laughs> like, it's progressive. God's going to teach me about prosperity. Like, hey, figure out how to pay my bills. Praise the Lord. I can pay my bills. All right. Well, now let me. All right. I'm going to believe God for a car. I'm going to believe God for uh, whatever it may be. In the natural, these are easy things. But don't believe God that you're going to sow $1,000 if you never believe God to sow $100. It's progressive. And God will take you from one step to the next. Well, you've got to be honest with where you're at. And I have done that before where I said, oh, I'm going to do this. And then I had to go back and apologize to the Lord and say, uh, I'm sorry. I wasn't where I thought I was. I missed it in that area. So the goal is that we should, you know, in a sense, we should, I mean, the Bible even says this, judge yourself so that you're not judged. Be honest. Just locate where you're at. Because if you'll locate where you're at, you can locate where you need to grow. If you think I'm good, there's no need to grow. So he says, with critical self-evaluation, to avoid anything that might offend or discredit the name of Christ. As believers, that ought to be our great fear right there. I don't want to do anything to bring shame on the name of Christ. I don't, I don't want anybody to accuse me of anything. I want to live to the best of my ability, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to live right. And I want to live in a way that is honorable before the Lord. And I want to live honorable before people. Because I don't want to discredit or bring shame to the church or the name of Christ. That ought to be a motivation for us. I don't dabble in stuff. Because I represent Christ. I don't walk in knowingly in compromise in areas of my life. Why? Because I'm not just representing me or my family. I'm representing my Savior. And what I do reflects upon people's opinion and thought of Him. Well, Jesus obviously ain't enough for you. Why is He going to be enough for me? Now, people may never say that, but... It definitely plays out in their life. So it goes on here in verse 13. and It says, For it is not your strength. Now what's he talking about? Use serious caution. Work out your salvation. Cultivate it. He says, For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectually, continually at work in you, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for His good pleasure. I mean, do you realize that you have desire in you to fulfill God's purpose for your life, and yet that's not even your desire? That's a desire that God placed in you to fulfill His purpose for you. To bring glory to His name. God wants to work through you, and yet it matters how you relate to God's Word. Let me just give you another practical example of this. Let's just say that the Lord lays something on your heart, and you're like, that is so far beyond me. Now You can fill in the blanks with whatever you want it to be. But as long as you say, that is so far beyond me, guess what you're never going to do? The thing that God put in your heart to do. Why? Because you're relating from your insufficiency... Verses relating to what God has put in your heart from His sufficiency. And so what happens is we say, Well, I can't do that, therefore we never do that. Whatever it may be, you may have a desire that says, Man, I want to lay hands on somebody who's sick and I want to see them instantly healed. The Bible says you can. But if you don't relate properly to the Word of God, you'll say, other people can do that. That would be amazing if God would use me to do that. But until you relate to God's Word properly that says that I can lay hands as a disciple of Christ upon anyone who is sick, and they can be made whole and well. I mean, there's some conviction behind that. Why? Because now I'm not relating to God's Word based off of me or even how good of a week I've had. I'm now relating to God and His Word in my life based off of who He is and what He wants to bring about in my life. So it has nothing to do with me or the ability that I have. I'm comp- the only way we're going to see the fullness of God's word, and I love how it says it, that it would strengthen, energize, and create in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for God's good pleasure. I don't relate to God's word based off of my goodness, off of my right standing, off of my effort, off of my energy, off of my discipline, off of my self will. None of those things matter. God, I want to relate to your word from, he, from this standpoint. Jesus said it, Jesus paid for it, and he said he would do it in my life. Case closed. That's how I relate to God's word. Now, should I do natural things that I know to do? Yes. Should I listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit to give me instructions? Absolutely. But remember what it said over in James. James. There are blessings in the doing. The doing of God's word is where there's power made available. The blessings of God come when what? When we move from just having maybe knowledge of God's word to now true heart connection to God's word. saying, okay, God, and look, and you can pray this kind of. prayer." I don't have a clue how you're going to do this. Because I look at me and say, no way. And I don't, I'm not telling you how to do it, but I believe you've placed this in my heart and I trust you. Amen. And I ask you to work in my life. I ask you to work in my situation. I ask you to work through me and for me. Because I don't have to be sufficient. That's why Christ came. Amen. Christ came full of grace to give us that ability that we didn't have. He came to bring us back into that relationship with God so that now when we see Scripture and we, even when God would stir things up in our heart, those dreams and desires and ambitions that are from God, they can be dawning. Right. Or maybe they're from years and years back. I mean, I have dreams that I've not seen yet. I've had for 20 years. Well, I'm not discouraged because I haven't seen it yet. It's coming. It's coming. How do you know? By faith. If I start looking at the natural, I'm saying, I don't see anything. I'm not moved by those things, though. I'm moved by the dream and the the desires that God placed in me. And God, I'm not going to quit until I see it. And even then, I don't want to quit. I want to go from there to another place. And that's, the, and that's the heart of what I want you to catch tonight is that when we relate to God's word, the, the possibilities actually really become endless. Because the same word that saved you will restore you, will take you forward. The same uh, word and the way that uh, you even get to one level with the Lord, if you want to say it like that, it's the very same word that can take you to the next level and the next level and the next level. Why? Because you relate to God's Word properly. It matters how you approach it. Why? Because how you approach it determines what it can do in your life. God is a God of the heart.